The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today we're going to the dogs, wolf (laughs) dogs, that is, with my guests, Dr. Lauren Lindner and Matthew Simmons. And this is an incredible story, I promise you. It's another one of these. I'm starting the year off with these inspirational stories of um, to get you uh, to make some incredible plans for 2012. You know, in last last week I was telling you about how to use this year in order to get your um, your New Year's resolutions done, actually, to finally get the ones, the things that you think are the most important done to think of 2012 as a bucket list, not just New Year's resolutions, but to tell yourself that um, maybe the world is going to change this year. We, uh, hopefully, you know, we all, of course, hope it, <laughs> hope it doesn't, except in good ways. But you can trick yourself into thinking, to whatever extent you've been somewhat, at least unconsciously persuaded by that, 2012 being the end of the world as we know it, to finally get these things done. So, my guest today... Um, are a prime example of um, having a dream develop, uh, blossoming a dream, having a dream blossom, and then doing it beyond either of their expectations. Uh, Dr. Lauren Lindner is a psychologist who I met um, some untold, <laughs> literally untold, <laughs> number of years ago um, when we were both students at UCLA in the School of Public Health. Um, this was after my MD degree, um, and I I was interested, and obviously as I still am, in using the media to educate people about health issues, particularly mental health. And of course, this show is a prime example of that. Um, and Dr. Linder was also doing that, and she obviously has used her uh, public health education too in what she does. But at that time that I met uh, Lauren, she had a parrot. Um, or soon after that, at some point over the years, she got a parrot uh, that she used to bring with her everywhere we went. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I thought it was an adorable parrot, but I must say, I did think that was a little little strange. We went, um, one year we went to a uh, dressage show. I think it was at the dressage show that she brought her parrot and uh, for hours of traveling and so on, the parrot was very happy. As long as the parrot was with Lauren, um, it was it was very happy. And at that time, she had, and she'll tell you more about it, and what she called the Association for Parrot Care. But since then, um, Lauren has met Matthew Simmons. She'll tell you the story of that. And um, they fell in love. Um, I can remember the day when she first told me about him <laughs> with this little... Uh, this little smile and glow, 
And um, they fell in love, and they got married, and they moved to um, this this place out in the middle of nowhere, about 90 miles north of Los Angeles, beautiful place. And they then started um, spreading their love, <laughs> literally. They started um, sharing it with animals who needed rescuing. And um, over this time, um, the number of animals that are at their Lockwood Valley Animal Rescue Center has grown. I mean, when I, the last time I was there, it was just their home. Now it has morphed into the Lockwood Valley Animal Rescue Center. They've been on CNN. They've been in the news um, recently, particularly because of their most, uh, their largest rescue or their most dramatic rescue yet that they'll tell you about as well. Uh, 29 wolf dogs who were facing imminent death in Alaska. They brought them to California, and they are at their at their rescue center. So there are now there are horses, there are all kinds of other animals. They are now there are now many many mouths to feed at this rescue center. And I, I must tell you both, I am just I admire you so much. I mean, I think what you've been doing, you've turned this. This is this is grown beyond I I don't I think beyond even your expectations. So Lauren, why don't we start with you, and uh, you tell us the romance story. Well, tell us about the parrot first. You know, let's go in order. As a psychiatrist, you know, I like to go chronologically, <laughs> <laughs> so I can see where the beginnings of this pathology started. <laughs> um, and and just tell us about. I, I guess it starts with the at, with the parrot, right? It does, it does, but the uh, love knows no bounds, like you say, <laughs> so it just, it really has just been growing and growing, and you create what you desire, I believe, in your heart, and and I, I had this vision for so long, being sort of city trapped, I was just locked in in the in the confines of living in the city for so long, yet I knew my heart was to have animals and be out in the country, and I, I had to make that happen in some way. And, of course, um, as I'll get to it, meeting Matthew sort of put the, the glue to it all, and he, he just made it happen for me, and it's really the spark. So um, Sammy taught me everything I know. I always say that this is the first parrot I ever had. Um, I went to rescue her after somebody called and said that they were leaving her in the house because they thought she matched the living room decor so well that whoever else moved in would want her. Uh. And that that's how I ended up. They said, well, you know, if you want, you could, you know, just try to find her a good home. Well, that was 24 years ago wow. <laughs> or thereabout and thereabouts. And, um she has been with me ever since, and she has taught me that birds need to be in flocks, that they need to be with other birds, that they need to fly, that um, although she wanted to be surgically attached to my shoulder, as you saw, I mean, I, I just didn't know how to put her down because she would just scream all the time, and I had problems with neighbors, and it's the number one reason why people relinquish parrots all the time. Uh, we get scores of phone calls per week from people who want to give up their parrots because of complaints from neighbors or other family members due to the screaming. They attach so deeply and they have such a a social brain and not unlike humans that they they grow by interactions with other flock members, family members. And that and that's how they, they learn to mimic, they learn to, to use sound in that way. Um not 
dissimilar to how humans do. So we, um, I, she, I realize I have to, I have to find other birds for her. I have to create a sanctuary, and that's how that's how the first one started, and that was the parrot sanctuary. And um, what made? But at that point, since you didn't have a parrot, what made the person call you? How did they pick you to come and rescue the parrot? Oh, how analytic. <laughs> yeah, no no one's ever asked me that. I've told that story, as you can imagine, before. But um, that's true. And um, I'll have to think back. I mean, obviously, I have been, um, well, maybe not be obvious to everyone else, but I, I cared about animals, and I would, um, I would, I was involved with some animal rescue groups and doing some some minor work in that area. I have I was in, on the board of some animal organizations, but um, it, it happened that someone just knew that I cared enough that I would take action. Mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. You I forget about that. That's right. You were active in that, so I guess they thought you would be empathic to uh, to this parrot. But it's so interesting how the universe, you know, does that calls on you to to start. Um, plant that seed, and then that has blossomed. Okay, so then ta- tell us about the sanctuary because, of course, that was an incredibly that's an incredible um, uh, legacy that you've left that is t- that is continuing to blossom. So I, I I looked everywhere and finally found a place where I could build um, a, a sanctuary with large enclosures so that the birds could fly. You want them to have the four F's, as I always say, flying, flocking, foraging, and mating. <laughs> so, uh, mating doesn't I, start with F. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I want to be sure that they had that because that's what creates health in parrots, and that's why... You know, parrots usually pluck their feathers because they don't have a chance to to be with other flock mates who where they would spend most of their time doing those four Fs, but they don't normally in in cages and kept in solitary um, conditions. They usually don't get to do this. They pull their feathers out. They create other kinds of really abnormal behaviors that we're seeing in other kinds of traumatic stress disorders in in humans. So they they. Um, they become mistrustful and lethargic and, and, and all these other things. So we created this sanctuary, a, a friend of mine who also was very into parrots, and we created this. And um, at the same time, I was um, just developing a program for homeless veterans who um, had a drug and alcohol problem, and they were coming into this residential treatment program. So every weekend I would take them up to go help me, you know, cut up fruits and veggies for the parrots for the week and to create, build perches and create a winter boxes so that they keep warm and I saw this transformation in these veterans who would come up just for the weekend just for a few hours of the weekend and they would it was like better than group therapy I couldn't believe the impact that these animals had on these on these men and women we had some, I had some two navy um veterans who were um women and they really really approached these animals in ways that I, I hadn't seen in any kind of therapeutic process that I used so I started knocking on doors at the VA to ask if we could develop a program like this on the ground. And within six years, which is very short in VA time, <laughs> government mm-hmm. time, um, I was able to uh, create the sanctuary on the grounds of the West L.A. VA um, Hospital right there off of Wilshire and Sepulveda in West Los Angeles. It's a very big intersection. Um, you wouldn't know that there's a large garden there, 20-acre garden with a two-acre uh, parrot sanctuary. Wow, I hadn't really... Two acres? 
Yeah, and, and, and the way we get that is because we employ veterans. It's a solely veteran-based program. We employ veterans who have uh, traumatic stress disorders, and they work with the parrots, and it's part of their work therapy. That's, that's amazing. And, of course, at the time, you um, what was your title at the VA? I was the clinical director of New Directions, which is a wonderful drug and alcohol rehab program, a residential treatment program for homeless veterans. And so, so of course, you had all of these people who were who you got involved in in these projects. And I remember when you had the opening of it and so on. And and they're still and it's still an ongoing project, obviously, right? Oh, yes, yes, we have many veterans who are benefiting from working there, as do the parrots benefit. <laughs> yes. So, okay, then take us, continue with the story. Oh, well, now it gets really good. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, here comes this veteran who is having problems sleeping, and he'll, he can tell you a little bit more about it. But he comes down there because um, he thinks it will be, you know, good therapy for him to work with the birds and to get to sort of be in nature a little bit and be out of the confines of the, the like he says, the brick and mortar of the of the hospital setting. And um, he comes to volunteer, and, um, and before is, I know it, he, he yes. takes over. <laughs> this is a perfect place to stop. When we come back, we'll hear from Matt, Matt Simmons, and uh, uh, I wonder which bird it was that you were looking at, Matt. <laughs> well, my guests are Dr. Lauren Lindner and Matthew Simmons. They are um, going to tell you about the, their, the incredible work that they're doing at the Lockwood Valley Animal Rescue Center, and we're taking their journey as we're going along in, on Dr. Carol's couch. We're talking today about going to the dogs, wolf dogs, that is, and you'll hear all about that as well. So you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday. Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. 
www.drcarol.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about going to the dogs. Wolf dogs, that is. We'll hear about the 29 wolf dogs that my guests, Dr. Lauren Lindner and Matthew Simmons, rescued just recently from Alaska. They were headed uh, towards imminent death. But we are tracing their story um, that all started with a parrot named Sammy. (laughs) Well, actually, it started with Lauren's dream before that to have a sanctuary, to be out in the country and and be surrounded by animals who she would rescue and, and share her love with. And along comes Matthew Simmons, um, a veteran who fell in love with a bird. Um, Lori was just saying during the break, I didn't know this, um, that a Lori is a parrot. You were, were you kidding, Lauren, or is that true? Oh, yeah, there's a parrot uh, called a Lori and a lorikeet. Oh, okay. Oh, oh that's right, a lorikeet. I have heard of that. Okay. <laughs> well, I was being, I was trying to be cute and, uh, and saying, uh, you know, asking Matthew about um, how basically how he got interested in the how did you find out about and because I love this fate thing you know that brought you two together mm-hmm. um, how you found out about Matt and and joined um, the sanctuary at the VA. Well, I I, I, <clears throat> I guess the uh, the short answer, uh, not too short, um, was that I I wasn't really fitting in at the VA. I uh, I'm a younger combat veteran. Uh, OEF, OIF, uh, veteran, and for all those listening, that's someone in a, in a current conflict, basically. And I would go to these support groups, and there would be guys 15 or 20 years my senior talking about experiences that they had in Vietnam. And it didn't really relate to me, and I, and I wasn't really connecting with the group or with the therapy. And uh, I had a therapist at the time, not Dr. Linder, uh, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Kevin Booker, he said, well, why don't you try this parrot therapy thing? You know, it's kind of like that last resort. Like, I, I think <clears throat> Lauren's program was pretty new, and it wasn't that well-known. It was kind of like a last resort. So I came down to the sanctuary, and at that time, the sanctuary was about half the size it is now. Um, I got down there, and Dr. Lauren Linder was running a pressure washer and cleaning the floors of the cages. <laughs> I, I think her two employees for that day had not shown up. And uh, I jumped right in and uh, right alongside her, kind of cleaning up, working with the parrots. And, uh, you know, that's what started our working relationship, I should say. Uh-huh. Kind of working side by side. You and, got your uh, feet wet. In... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, I was, like a lot of returning veterans, probably not that open and, and probably not that much of the likable guy that you hear on the phone now, was real unsure where I was going and uh, was having a significant problem when it came to sleeping and managing my anger and, you know, being part of, you know, social society. It wasn't something that I really fit that well into at that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just found an, an amazing 
I guess love would be the word, or, you know, God put things in your life uh, for different reasons. Um, the parrots were amazing. I mean, they were the, the first animal I'd ever been around, because I'm from the Midwest, we, we don't have parrots, first animal I'd ever been around that could talk. Mm. So it was a very unique therapeutic setting to be cleaning the cage, and this little bird says, I love you, and jumps mm. up on your shoulder and starts nuzzling you in the neck. I mean, mm. that's not, you know, it's not something I was used to, and it was very shocking, and... Uh, at the same time, you know, it brought down a lot of defenses. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's very hard to look at a parrot or uh, look at all animals this way, but at the time it was very hard to look at the parrot as a pet. I mean, it was a speaking being. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe it didn't always understand what it was saying, but it was getting me to do whatever it wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I love you equated to peanuts and, you know, a scratch on the back of the head and and things that they wanted. So I started having a, a relationship there with the, uh, with the parrots. And uh, I think from the, mo- the moment, you know, I met Dr. Linder, and back then I knew her as Dr. Linder, I knew she was special. I mean, there's just something about a human being that kind of exudes uh, that much calmness, that much love for animals, that much admiration for the environment. There's just uh, something special, and I had a lot of rough edges. I was uh, not a vegetarian at the time. I had a bad tobacco habit. Um, I didn't always, you know, wasn't the, the, the most wonderful, amicable guy. And, uh, and over time, working with the birds and talking to Dr. Linder as a friend and expressing how I felt, um, I really started to feel some change in the therapy and the and being around the birds and and working with my clinician at the VA really started to, you know, catapult me in a good direction. Uh-huh. And uh, then I would say, you know, it came time to expand, uh, <laughs> which is the catalyst that I seem to serve in Lauren's life in a lot of different avenues, including the rescue we're going to talk about later in Alaska and opening the Lockwood Animal Rescue Center. Uh, it was time for her to expand the sanctuary down at the VA. And she was working with an architect and the numbers started coming in, and they were huge numbers. <clears throat> and uh, I kind of took a leap, and I said to Lauren, I said, I think I can do this for you. So what do you mean, wait, what do you mean huge no- The cost was huge numbers? The co- yeah, the costs were, were really expensive to have an architect involved and an engineer involved. And so Lauren and I decided to go directly to the manufacturer of the wire, directly to a distributor for metal, make the panels, the panels that make up, the outdoor aviary enclosures are... Okay, well, why don't you keep on talking? <laughs> Hopefully we will get her back. Right. Okay. So we, uh, we were expanding the facility, dealing with different contractors, and I decided, you know what, I'll throw my hat in the ring. This is an amazing woman. Uh, and we started that relationship where I essentially started working for Lauren as somewhat of an advisor, designing, uh, using some of my background. You know, I was <clears throat> an English and philosophy major in, in college, and always had an artistic flair in designing the new structures and the new aviaries for the birds. And the sanctuary that once housed maybe 20 parrots and took up a, you know, a footprint of an eighth of an acre grew into what it is now, which is two acres and, and over 70 parrots. Um, and that was a big leap for both her and I. And that working side by side as what I would consider equals you know, <clears throat> designing the facility, getting the material delivered, building it up together, 
uh, gave us an incredible foundation for a romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, because when the bottom line's involved and, and you're building something as partners, you know, there's just a lot of definite, absolute, yes, no, and it set great boundaries for our relationship. And uh, one day, I, I think it was mine, I, I turned to who was then known as Dr. Linder, who's now known as Lauren Linder, my wife, and I said, um, you know, maybe we should go to dinner. Mm-hmm. You know? Maybe we should go spend some time together. Uh, and I think we left the sanctuary. I can almost remember the day uh, at like 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and we had to go to the bank first, and then we went out to dinner. And I think we spent the next eight or nine hours just catching up. Huh. You know, whatever little bit we hadn't touched base on, whether it was my parents, her parents, her family, my family, where, you know, little bits and pieces of where we came from, the beginning or end to stories that we had shared as we worked together, uh, we just started catching up. And I, at that moment, pretty much knew that, you know, the universe had kind of spun its way around and I had found the woman that was my other piece or I was her piece or together we made a whole. And uh, I didn't want to lose that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was something that I wanted to strive for and I, I continue to strive for daily. I mean, she is uh, the greatest person in the world as far as I'm concerned and someone who I feel grateful every day uh, that I spend time with her and that she shares her life with me. Now the question is, does she come on your shoulder and say, I love you? (laughs) (laughs) It took a long time to get an I love you out of Dr. Leonard. A woman who, you know, is just a very strong woman who I think she alluded to earlier, you know, worked with a lot of different rescue groups, worked with some tough homeless veterans who are dealing with drug and alcohol abuse. I think she felt it as early as I did. Uh, But me with the catalyst of the Parrot Sanctuary and feeling my emotions, I'm sure I was the first one to say, I love you and I can't live without you. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's, that, it's really an incredible story. Um, we, why don't you, let's see, we're almost at the break again. Um, and um, I guess the, the next thing would be, well, what year was it when you moved up to um, the, the place that you live in now above Los Angeles? Here, three and a half years. Oh, Lauren, you're back. Good. (laughs) Oh, yes, I'm here. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, there was a glitch with the phone. Okay. Um, How long ago was it? Did you hear me asking as to whether you sit on his shoulder and ask? Yes, I heard that. I heard. I heard. I heard that. Yes, I love that. (laughs) I I sit. I will sit on his shoulder if if if, if it were possible. (laughs) Um, Three and uh, a half years ago. Three and a half years. We we moved to. to this area. It's, it's just outside of Fraser Park. It's called Lockwood Valley. It's in Ventura County, the northeast corner of Ventura County, California. Yes, and it's, um, it's really a special place. I mean, you know, it is in the wilderness, though. I mean, um, I, I remember going there, um, there's a, at that last part where you kind of, you're going through brush. It looks like there's nothing <laughs> that you're not going to find. Well, of course, now you've probably cleared a lot of that, I guess. Well, we, we were, we were looking to fall off the ends of the earth. <laughs> we, we really found the place that suited both of us. We, we had asked for, you know, living inside the, um, national forest, literally living in the wilderness, the national wilderness area. We asked realtors, you know, where was that possible? And, hmm. and we looked all over the West Coast and this was the closest thing that we could also 
maintained the parrot sanctuary with you know we, we Matthew still goes and manages he's the you know director of the parrot sanctuary now so he's able to go there it's only an hour and a half from Los Angeles so it makes uh-huh. it just perfect uh huh. Uh huh. So you were able to maintain that while still, while now developing this new rescue, which we're going to hear about when we come back. My guests are Dr. Lauren Lindner and Matthew Simmons. We're talking about going to the dogs, wolf dogs, that is. And you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman talking about going to the dogs, taking you to the dogs, and wolf dogs, that is. We will get to that um, with my guests, Dr. Lauren Lindner and Matthew Simmons, who uh, are following their dreams um, beyond their wildest expectations and um, how they are sharing their love with many mouths <laughs> of rescued animals. And uh, at the, in the last segment of the show, I will give you, or they will give you how... Um, information as to how you can find out more about about their rescue center and what there might be available for you to do if you'd like to get involved. Okay, so, uh, Lauren, let's go back to you. And um, I remember coming up to your house when you first, I guess I've been up there twice. So the first time was when you first, um, when you first moved up there, or soon after you moved up there. So, and you had... From what I remember, you had a couple of, you had a horse or a couple of horses and a couple of dogs and some parrots, if I'm remembering correctly. 
Oh, goodness, that seems like such a long time ago. <laughs> and it really wasn't. But we did grow very quickly, and we did it in a, in a mutually agreed-upon way. We knew that we wanted to give back in some way, and that's sort of the way we live our lives. We're so grateful for what we have, you know, and that we can, we can offer something more to, to animals and to people. And Matthew can tell you about how he sort of nurtures his veteran community and makes sure that we, we hire, we give veteran preference to, for hiring and, and mm. so forth, mm. and, and for disabled veterans too, especially. Mm. Um, so we, we were there, and when you saw it, it was sort of like a moonscape a little bit, but we, uh, you know, Matthew planted all kinds of things. It's just amazing that this, I don't know where this Midwest boy learned this, but he must have had it in his gene somewhere because, um, I mean, you know, I got my vegetable garden and fruit trees and then all these corrals and pastures were built and fencing put in and, um, and we realized, we, we, you know, originally it was going to be horses. Horses have been my love for, since, since very early childhood and, and I knew I wanted horses and, and, and then we went to another sanctuary looking for horses to adopt. Um, we wanted to rescue and make sure we gave, uh, you know, a life to an animal in need and uh, a good life and not, you know, just breeding animals since there were so many that need homes. That's, that's how we felt we need, what we felt we needed to do. And we were at the sanctuary and they had wolf dogs and it was the first we had ever heard of them or really, you know, learned about them and, um, Matthew said uh, to the to the woman, you know, if you ever come across any any more like these, we'd we'd be interested. These are amazing animals, and um, and they're, I'm sure they're hard to keep. And we would be able to provide um, you know, the privacy that's needed in, in terms of howling, so that you're not too close to neighbors. The fencing, because Matthew built this exquisite fencing, um, you know, 10, 12 feet tall fencing with very sturdy chain link, you know, heavy gauge chain link. And we thought, okay, we can, we can keep, we can keep these animals. So just as the universe keeps giving to us, the more we envision what we want, it just seems to just keep giving back. And I, I, I just was really, it seemed to me like maybe a day or two after that, that we got a phone call from this woman huh. saying, you, if you can be at the Kern County Animal Shelter, I just got a phone call that they're putting a wolf dog to sleep by noon. Can you be there? And I called Matthew. I, I thought he was going to be heading towards the parrot sanctuary in Los Angeles. So I thought, okay, I'll never make it there by noon. He said, oh, I'm still stuck in Bakersfield. I have a problem with my trailer tire. I said, where are you? He said, well, the trailer place is across the street from this animal shelter. <laughs> so it was just, it was amazing because that's how we got Wiley, our very first wolf dog, and he is just an amazing creature, daily grateful for us. Just You could just see it in the way he behaves. He's like, I'm a wolf, but I'm going to hang out with you guys. I'm just going to be a dog. I'm going to just be the dog part of me and, and be with you guys. And, and even though he likes to run off a little bit, um, he's he's always always back with daddy. He he. All these animals love my alpha male husband <laughs> and, uh, as much as I wanted German shepherds because I grew up with them and I always wanted shepherds. And I we adopted three German shepherds from Westside German Shepherd Rescue in Los Angeles. They are all daddy's dogs <laughs> as much as I love them and feed them and everything else. But anyway, Wiley is too and. Um, uh, he was our first, and, and that's when we, we sort of got a little bit of a, a bug there, and we thought, you know, 
um, I'm going to put it out there that we're available. We're available to take in wolf dogs, and that's all you have to do. <laughs> Matt and I sometimes joke that if you put it out there, depending on what animal you want, it doesn't matter. You would be, you would get that animal. Matt, Matt and I joke that we, if we said we wanted hyenas, we'd probably get <laughs> hyenas. <laughs> Well, people uh, are always just, giving up animals. Just back up a minute and explain what a wolf dog is. Oh, yes, of course. We didn't know either. The, they're, they're a combination of a wolf and a dog bred to each other. Usually it's wolf dog to wolf dog that's bred. Very rarely do you have what we call a high content, high wolf content wolf dog where it's a wolf bred to a dog, a pure wolf and usually bred to another wolf dog. So you have at least about 75% wolf content. And once it gets that high of a wolf content, then you it's very hard to keep as a pet. It's an animal who wants to roam. They go 20 to 30 miles a day searching for food. They can dig 8 to 10 feet into the ground to build their dens. They can jump 10 to 12, well, 10 foot, 8 to 10 foot fencing easily. I mean, correct myself, because our fencing is 12 feet, so hopefully they're not jumping that. Mm-hmm. But they, they jump, they dig, they chew stuff, they are, they're, they're not aggressive. It, you know, people think, oh, a wolf, you know, and wolves are not interested in your property and defending you. If there's an intruder, they are the first to run away. <laughs> they're timid. They don't want to be around humans. We've exterminated them. We've persecuted them. They want nothing to do with humans if they can help it. Um, they don't bark. They're not good to guard dogs whatsoever. If you want that, get, get you know, we say get get a chihuahua that will bark <laughs> nonstop, wake up yes. the whole neighborhood. Yes, that's right. Well, do these um, dogs and wolves get bred by people on purpose, or is it just they're kind of roaming in the same neighborhood and they get it on, or what? Oh yeah, no. This is deliberate, purposeful breeding. It's a it's a big trend now. It's a very trendy designer animal um, where people are paying upwards of three thousand dollars per puppy for uh, a, a you know a good, well bred wolf dog where they breed usually high content wolf dog to high content wolf dog. And uh, some 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 not so reputable breeders are breeding either very low-content wolf dogs to dogs or or just the northern breed dogs to each other, like the Huskies and Samoyeds and, um, you know, the Malamutes and things like that, and they're selling them as wolf dog puppies because they can get a lot more money. Mm. That's, that's uh, you know, that's not, you know, very... Those are not the good breeders. Um, and, and there's just so many now that need homes, we don't feel like breeding is necessary whatsoever. And there's so many out there, so many phone calls that we are getting from people who want to relinquish their, their wolf dogs. They, they realize once the animal, just like with the parrot, becomes sexually mature, they become very attached to one person. They don't want to, they, you know, they, they can become not, not necessarily aggressive. I don't want to give them that. You know, wolves have a bad enough rap as it is. They get every fairy tale, you know, and, and myth yeah. is, is against wolves. And it's partly why we you know the society allowed them to be um, exterminated. And I don't want to, you know, implicate them again because there are no wolf human fatalities known in the lower 48 huh. states. Um, so it's it's really a big myth, and it's 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 designed you know purposely to exterminate our top predators. But in the in the lower, what do you mean in the lower 48 states? The lower 48 below Alaska. Okay, below, so below. they are there are wolf human um, killings 
in Alaska and yeah, there have been and where else that just there that that's I know cool. of that I know of I, it, certainly none in the lower forty eight and, and and that's why this movie coming out the gray is 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 so disturbing to to wolf dog people because we know these animals and they're they're not the animals running around killing people and we know wolves are not the ones running around killing people and stalking humans I mean that's the last thing wolves do so it, we of course it's a movie and we hope people understand it as a movie but. It's disturbing. It's just like when you know when they portray psychiatrists as you know, you know, sleeping with their patients and all this stuff. We, you know, it's rare, and and it's and we, you know, I don't like seeing that either in the movies. Right. But um. Um. So so what you're so what you were starting to say was that people like people since they're paying so much for them, they think that this is cool, but then when the wolf dog puppy starts to grow up, they're realizing that there are a lot of problems and then they can't they can't continue to have them as pets and then they exactly. want to dump them. Exactly. It's happening all over the place. We get calls from all over the country to take in wolf dogs and and um and then we got the big call. <laughs> And uh, I'm going to let Matthew tell you about our our latest, biggest rescue. Yes. Well, 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 before we do that, I mean, we should also say, Lauren, that the reason we got involved with wolf dogs is they're very much like parrots. They're, they're a companion or a pet that, once it reaches maturity, is no longer able to be, or most owners relinquish them, get them out of the house. <clears throat> and the problem is the Humane Society or the ASPCA or the SPCA, whoever's dealing with them, you know, once they get something labeled as a wolf dog, you know, they don't want to house that animal uh, because mm. their funding is not for what could be construed as a partly wild animal or a partly feral animal. So, you know, these animals are not given the chance to be turned around and, you know, adopted to the general public. Mm. So what happens a lot of times is they'll end up in a room in the back of the shelter for, you know, three days, five days, seven days, and then put to sleep. Hmm. Uh, and it, it's very similar with parrots, you know, that, <clears throat> you know, there's not a lot of groups out there that are willing to rehome them, to house them temporarily. You know, you don't go to the pound and see 20 parrots. You don't go to the pound and see a wolf dog. Yet there are quite a few wolf dogs out there and quite a few parrots out there. So once again, it's Lauren and I kind of, you know, speaking for those that don't have a voice. Mm. You mm. know, speaking for those <laughs> that are overlooked by our current governmental setup and, and really what we're doing is just trying to provide a life for an animal that has every right to be here. Yes. And, and should be loved and should be cared for. And I remember, Lauren, when you told me how long, I was like astounded how long parrots live. How tell, It's for longer than humans, or it's longer than the typical pet that you would have. Oh, yes. Cockatoos can live 90 to 100 years, some, some uh, subspecies of cockatoos. Um, but for the most part, they live about as long as we do. And... Um, you know, you're looking at 10, 15, maybe more homes per lifetime of a parrot, which we would never do to our dogs and cats. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. not a good pet to have for the majority of people, for the majority of people who end up having to relinquish them. There's no way you can predict what's going to happen in your life in 50 years. And, and people who are already in their 50s who buy a parrot. <laughs> yeah, unless they have a child who's will, who commits to, uh, to yeah. taking over the next several decades. It, it's we mostly need... the children we get the phone calls from. <laughs> 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 oh, that's interesting, huh? 
All right. Well, we do need to take another break. We're going into our last segment, which is uh, the biggest rescue of all 29 wolf dogs. Uh, we're talking about going to the dogs, wolf dogs. My guests are Dr. Lauren Lindner and Matthew Simmons, and they are the owners, the developers, the dreamers of Lockwood Valley Animal Rescue Center. And we'll tell you more about that when we come back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch, where we're talking about going to the dogs, wolf dogs, that is, with my guests, Dr. Lauren Lindner and Matthew Simmons, the uh, proud owners, developers, creators of the Lockwood Valley Animal Rescue Center. We will tell you at the end how you can uh, find out more about that. And right now we're going to be talking about their biggest rescue, 29 wolf dogs facing imminent death in Alaska. So go for it. All right, so I'll start. <laughs> um, we were first kind of heard rumblings um, that there were 29 wolves or wolf dogs uh, in Alaska that were going to be euthanized. Um, as it progressed, uh, Lauren uh, got an email from Patty Finch, who kind of explained in more detail that was going on, and then Frank Wedland, who's a big advocate both for the wolves and the wolf dogs, sent an email to Lauren, and uh, they kind of asked us to get involved. And like always, Lauren and I were like, yeah, you know, let's see what we can do. Now, Alaska is a little bit of a tall order. Um, first of all, it's you know a lot further away from California than anyone thinks, so there was a lot of logistics involved, and then crossing through Canada, whether you know to transport them by car or by train or by plane, you know there are a lot of variables there. So <clears throat> Lauren and I decided that you know we would write a grant uh, to Mr. Bob Barker uh, of the Price is Right fame and uh, see if he would like to help us in this rescue. Uh, and he has been amazing. Um, you know, he gave the lion's share of the funding for this uh, rescue, and we just made sure that everybody was spayed and neutered before we got back here uh, and, you know, given a, given a great place to live. So to back up a little bit, that you know, there were a couple of emails going around. We weren't sure what was going on. We decided to fly up and kind of 
see for ourselves. So uh, we flew up to Anchorage, Alaska, and then <clears throat> rented a car, went out to Palmer, Alaska, where these wolf dogs were kept as part of a roadside attraction. And what the owner was doing is he owned a place called Wolf Country that had a little gift shop, and you could pay $5, and you could walk down this third of an acre path where all these wolf dogs were kept on chains, uh, five to ten foot long chains wrapped around their neck and hooked to a pole where they could run in a little circle. And you'd pay five dollars to see them and you could also pay a little bit extra and you could give them a cookie. Hmm. Uh, and that was his business, his operation, um, including the, uh, the gift shop. And, uh, I don't know, it kind of broke my heart. Uh, Lauren tells me to be careful, you know, but I mean, at that point, I knew no matter what we had to do, we were going to get involved. And we were lucky enough to have some benefactors who also wanted to see them avoid uh, being euthanized. And it's not as soft as euthanasia. I mean, when we went and talked and spoke to the, attor- the assistant attorney general, you know, it was not, we're going to go out there and, you know, create everybody up and give everyone a little injection and put them to sleep. I mean, what he was talking about as a solution was, you know, having some state troopers going out there and just shooting them. Mm. The laws are a little different in Alaska. Number one, it's okay to keep an animal on a chain. So everything that this guy was doing at Wolf Country is is legal. Uh, Morally, I have a problem with it. (laughs) For any animal, let alone an animal that normally, you know, can run, like Lauren alluded to earlier, you know, 20, 40 miles in a day, uh, you know, living their entire life on a chain. Plus, you have to understand that wolves and wolf dogs are, are very social animals. You know, they live in a pack. They exist with an alpha male and an alpha female. There are aunts and uncles that have roles and jobs within the, within the pack. And none of these animals could even touch one another. Hmm. So it was complete isolation. And as a psychologist, I'm sure you can talk to this better than I can. But, I mean, there was a big study done when there were too many babies in the hospital and the nurses couldn't pick them up and the babies died. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, and that was with human beings. So you can imagine you know, somewhat of a torture of being, you know, an inch away from an animal that you're supposed to lay with and cuddle with and spend your life with and you can't even touch. Mm-hmm. Um, so to say my heart was broken is, is a little bit of an understatement. Um, and so we talked to the attorney, the assistant attorney general. We talked to the owner. Um, he was running into some legal problems. Uh, wolf dogs are illegal in Alaska. Um, they were made illegal in 2002. Uh, and he had kind of been sidestepping and avoiding the issue with the local government. Um, they had decided they were going to finally do something about this. They had done a, you know, a search and a seizure of the property. Uh, they went out and <clears throat> they, the government, went out and drugged each animal, microchipped all the animals except one they couldn't uh, get their hands on because it was down in a hole hiding. It was so scared. Um, and thus started the whole legal procedure. And the way that it works is they have nowhere to warehouse the animals, so they were going to kill the animals, uh, put them on, you know, freeze them, go through the whole procedure of prosecuting this guy, and then at the end of it, you know, that would, that would be the end of the animals. Uh, we didn't see that as a good solution, so Lauren and I spoke to the Attorney General and spoke to the owner about an alternate solution, which is, why don't we take the wolf dogs, we'll offer them sanctuary, they'll no longer be a threat to Alaska, or as, you know, threaten their lives as far as, you know, them being put down as part of this procedure, and would that be acceptable? And the attorney general was, you know, willing to accept that as a solution, and 
the owner was able to sign some documents to us that made us feel comfortable. And so we flew home. But on the way home, we met a gentleman by the name of Frank who sat next to us. He and his wife ended up being an intricate part of this rescue, which I'll get to later. Uh, so about a month goes by. Uh, we get a huge amount of funding from Bob Barker and, and a few other of our donors. And uh, we set to, you know, we get set to go. And uh, we head up to Alaska. Lauren heads up with 11 people on a flight out of Burbank Airport. Two of our volunteers were leaving from Seattle. And I left Los Angeles with a 38-foot trailer, my truck, and four volunteers, well, three volunteers counting myself, in tow, headed to Bellingham, Washington. And we got to Bellingham. We staged the truck and trailer. I uh, got it up there. And then I flew from Seattle, uh, or from Bellingham to Seattle and Seattle to Anchorage. And I met up with Lauren and everybody. And we started fixing crates and getting things ready for the air transport that would take place from Anchorage to Seattle and then the drive home from Seattle to Lockwood Valley, which is about 24 hours driving straight through. And uh, we went out to uh, Wolf Country, USA. And uh, as I mentioned before, all the animals were on chains. So myself and a couple of the veterans, as I told you, we, we lean heavily on the veterans, went out with some bolt cutters started grabbing chains, cutting chains, and leading these animals into a, a small building where we could put them in crates, transport them to a local hospital that we had an agreement with, spay, neuter everybody, uh, do blood work on everybody, and get them ready for shipment, you know, outside of Alaska. And uh, just many great things fell in line. The, SPC up, the SPCA up there in Alaska was amazing. I mean, they had staff on duty, 16, 18, even 20 hours a day helping well, us. Wait, wait I, we're kind of running out of time. I just okay. want you to, let me, I just want one, you weren't scared when you um, cut the, I, I know we were, you were talking about how they aren't dangerous except in Alaska, and you weren't scared when you cut the chains <laughs> on the way to putting them in the crates? No, I, I, I say it not tongue-in-cheek, it sounds that way, but I, I'm much more fearful of a German shepherd or a dog that's been bred for hundreds of years to protect his space or his belongings than I am of a petrified wolf on a chain. <laughs> well, but I, I know guess, it's going to get a better life. I guess also come to think of it being in combat <laughs> <laughs> compared to a, to a wolf, cutting a chain on a wolf, I guess that's another thing that kind of made you... Beyond, beyond wolves. What? Yeah. There's very little he's afraid of. Yes, and I'm yes, so like grateful. I watched him Lord, Lord, Lord would be holding one. these animals. <laughs> <laughs> holding yeah. these animals on the chains and leading them into the crates. But I will tell you, just in the interest of time, that oh, yes. they are now at Wolf Mansion. And um, and they are healthy. I, I will give that to the people. Okay, who, and, who, and give, tell everyone your website. It is Lockwood Ark, Lockwood A-R-C dot org dot o-r-g lockwood a-r-c dot org we welcome people contributors and volunteers and people who want to help these animals in particular we we used up all the money from all the other donors and we would uh we, we are always looking for people who care about animals yes i mean you wouldn't believe how hard lauren and matthew work matthew taking care of all the animals building the the um, fences and so on, and Lauren working as a psychologist four days a week, 12 hours a day, to, um, to help, and, and Matthew works also doing building and so on. Um, 
getting, bringing home the bacon (laughs) and other food for the animals to eat. The lots and lots of mouths to feed. So go to LockwoodArc.org, L-O-C-K-W-O-O-D-A-R-C, LockwoodArc.org, and you will see incredible pictures. And talk about not being afraid. Um, Lauren and Matt have their faces. They're being kissed by these wolf dogs and so on. (laughs) These are amazing photos and the photos of the horses and everything. So please, LockwoodArc.org. And Lauren and Matt, congratulations, and you have my utmost admiration for the incredible work that you're doing and sharing your love. And I'm going to have to come up there as soon as I can to see uh, the expansion of all of this. So thank you all for listening. You're very welcome. Thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, again, lockwoodark.org, and uh, we'll be here again next week. Dr. Carol's Couch on voiceamerica.com, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 